don't know, without much further ado, let me just oh. introduce you to my friend Beverly, for anybody who does not know her. She would tell, well, I would tell you that she is an incredible, she is awesome. She's an accomplished author. She is the director of the Wayne Pregnancy mm. Center, and she has brought that center from here to way up here. The women who walk in mm. that center, the men and women feel so loved. She is the wife of Rick Weeks, who we love and adore, uh -huh. and the mother of Tyler and Macy. Uh -huh. But I would tell you that she is just an amazing woman with an amazing heart who loves well. She loves fiercely, and she loves being here to speak with you. And she would tell you that she likes peanut butter and chocolate on uh -huh. her bananas. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that yes. she just can't, she's a woman who loves Jesus. And TJ Maxx. And TJ Maxx. I forget the shopping part. Love you. But love, love you too, girlfriend. Love you. Hey, let me tell you real quick. I am a testimony that if you're sitting here today and it's broken and you don't think God can fix it, he can fix it. I remember many years ago, many years ago when my marriage, it was broken. And I was about to lose everything, my home, my husband, my children. And my husband said, I have found a group of godly counselors. I was wondering if you would go speak with them. And I said, okay, I'll do it for the sake of my kids. And I remember I walked into her office and she had a brown sofa. And I said, honey, let me tell you something. Before you say anything, I'm just going to tell you one thing. I ain't taking him back unless he changes this, 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 and this. And I had my whole list of things that he needed to change. I'll never forget she looked at me and the words she said were so convicting. She said, what if... What if God is more interested in changing you than he is in changing your spouse? Well, I will tell you, I did not exactly receive those words with the love of Christ. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I wanted to jump off that brown sofa and pull every blonde out of her hair. But God restored it. I remember when I walked out of her office, I said, thank God I will never see her again. <laughs> Lord, no, <laughs> but God is a God of restoration, mm -hmm. and I believe he's going to restore some women today. I have a message for you. I have a message for you. I remember being at a conference in November, and God gave me the message, and I said, I cannot wait to share the message with them. I believe there are women in here today, you know what it's like when everything is falling apart. It may be in your marriage, it may be in your finances, your home with a prodigal child, with a job, but I got a message, a word from God for you today. Anybody know what it's like when your week just does not go right? When all is just not well. I just did a conference in California. I will not lie. When people ask me to do a conference, I immediately, if there's a hotel room, I will take my husband if he can go. And it was our anniversary. We were celebrating our 20th anniversary. And there were some women there at the conference. And I noticed they all, yes, 20 years. Woo! 
There were some women there at the conference, and in particular, I noticed this one girl. Her hair was so cute. It had the little crinkle curls, you know, going down on the, on the side just everywhere. And the ladies told me, they said, Miss um, Beverly, can I do your hair? I'm like, yeah, girl, you can do my hair and because um, I like to get my hair did up. And um, so they were doing my hair and putting the curls everywhere. And I will not lie to you, I started to feel a little... <clears throat> sexy about it. And so I thought, well, you know, it is my anniversary. He's stuck in a hotel room. I'm just going to go knock on the door. I don't have to speak till tomorrow. And so we were on a hotel, in a hotel. I was in the elevator. It went up 12 floors. And so I got on the elevator. I was just feeling good about the way I looked. I went, I knocked on the door. I unbuttoned the first button of my white monogrammed Oxford shirt. <laughs> and I said, I put, you know, the little peak hole. I said, honey, open up. Mama's got a little something, something waiting for you. And if you've ever seen my husband, if you'll meet him at the table, I married to the most sweetest, genuine, handsomest, fortified nerd you've ever <laughs> met in your life. Just very, you know, just very conservative. You'll see that today. I noticed he wasn't coming to the door and I got scared. I thought, Lord, I done gave the man a heart attack. <laughs> and so I put my eye up to the peak hole and I said, come and get it, baby, if you want it. And on the other side of the door, no lie, I heard a lady say, ma'am, may I help you? I had got off on the wrong floor. The wrong floor. What made it even worse is I had to speak the next morning, and it was a crowd. And I, the, all I could think when I was speaking on It Shall Be Well is there is some lady in the audience saying, Stay away from her! She's evil! No. But I do not like flying, and I was on the plane. And I remember when they were doing the instructions, they talk about the... Um, the gas mask when it comes, oxygen mask when it, I got to get this right. The oxygen mask when it comes out. When the oxygen mask comes out and they're doing the directions, instructions, they do not like me on the plane. I'm the only one with her hand raised up on the plane and saying, excuse me, could you repeat that just one more time? I want to know. But when they give you that instruction about that little mask, what is the first thing that they tell you you need to do with that oxygen mask? Put it on yourself first. You know, as a mom, as a woman of God, I am useless to anybody else if I don't first get the oxygen, first get the Holy Spirit, first get what I'm needing on myself 
first. I've got some oxygen for you today. I want you to open your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 through 37. Now, I'm going against the grain of everything that Lisa has ever taught me as she speaks. You know, it's a and the teachers and the instructions there. What I'm going to do is try to take you through almost a whole chapter in 30 minutes. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, hold on. But I've got a word for you today for the woman sitting in the chair when everything is falling apart. The word that God gave me for this specific group of women for today is, it shall be well. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the circumstance, today it shall be well. We're going to take a Kings chapter 4 and we're going to see that there is uh, Elisha who is a prophet. Now before we had Elijah and then we have Elisha. So Elijah was bad. Elisha has a double dose of that uh, anointing. So you could say he is bad to the bone. Okay, so let's go down to verse 8. Verse 8. One day, Elisha went to Shunem. Let me stop right there. When I read, I'm like, Lord, reveal it to me. Let it just leap off the pages to me. One day, I want you to notice it happened on one day. It didn't say that the blessing came when there's a conference with 1,300 women. It did not say it was at a convention or a church service. You will find that this woman was being faithful on one day, just an ordinary day. If you'll be faithful to God on the one days, the ordinary days, you will experience the power and the presence of God. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in it a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. The first thing I want you to notice when everything is falling apart, when it seems that all spiritual warfare has broke around you. I had a woman stop in the, me in the hall yesterday. I've lost my job. One messaged me last night. My car, just all kinds of things. The first thing you got to do is make room for God. Make room for God. You see, Elisha, the prophets back then were the closest. They were where the people heard the word of the Lord. We know that since the day of Pentecost has come now, we have the Holy Spirit. But you've got to make room for God. There are some things in my life that I'm having to say no to. Some things that I'm having to push aside so that I can make room for God. On down to the next verse. One day, Elisha came. He went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, or Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, 
You have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can we do for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king of the commander of the army? Let me stop there. You do something good for somebody? You love on God's people, and it will come back to you in the form of a blessing. Just wanted to say that to someone. She replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, I'm fine. I wonder how many of us sometimes are like that, where we kind of put God in a little room, in a room, and we just pull him out on an as-needed basis. On an as-needed basis. She said, I'm fine. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year. Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. I don't know who this is for, but don't you give up because about this time next year, something's going to come breaking through for you. Your season is coming. About this time next year, he said. No, my Lord, she objected. Listen, we have this woman. She's gone. That was what the promise she was seeking. She's wanted a child all her life. No, my Lord, she objected. No, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, don't mess with me. Don't, don't mess with me. Don't be telling me this if this really isn't going to happen. But the woman became pregnant. And the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a new son, just as Elisha has told her. When I was sitting in that conference in November and I was going over this message, and this is the message that God placed upon my heart, it was because he was telling me, women of God, I wish I knew every one of you by name, but today my God wants to give you some new birth. The enemy has tried to steal your joy, take it away from you, but today my God has come to this conference to meet you right where you are in your situation and he wants the Holy Spirit wants to birth something new within you wants to birth something new within you the child grew the child grew you know what it's like to have a promise right and then it starts to grow it starts to grow. The child grew. And one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. So we have this young boy. He's out working in the fields with his father. And we don't know. You could speculate. Maybe it was an aneurysm, whatever it was. But he says, my head, my head. Let me just stop. I could make a message. I could make a sermon off of my head, my head. We have an average. Women have an average of twenty to 50,000 thoughts that go through your mind in any given day. Now, I think about this moment, I got about twenty or 50,000 going on this minute, but twenty to 50,000 thoughts going through your mind in every day. Do you realize, listen to me, do you realize that the enemy, 
He does not care what you wore to this conference today. He does not care what you drove to this conference today or who you came to this conference with today. But the enemy wants your mind. He wants your mind. Some of Satan's greatest weapons, some of Satan's greatest weapons are psychological are psychological. Just like God said in John 10, 10, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy your joy. So this little boy, he's being attacked in his head, not only with your mind. Let me just stop right there as the Holy Spirit is quickening me. Not only in your mind, but he, as far as the head, will attack you in other areas in the head. How about the head of your household? The head of your household, when he comes in and tries to attack the head of your household. How about the head of your job? I don't know if anybody's ever had any job situations, or maybe it's just me, but how about the head of your job? Or the head of someone you're working with in a department. But the enemy will come in and just try to destroy through the head. Let's move on down to uh, the next verse. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. I can stop right there. <laughs> Glad my husband stepped out for that one. I know, just carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And then he died. So you've got this woman of God with this great promise that has come from the Lord. But then it's died. But then it's died. I sat out here this week, and I was by myself, and I just sat on a back row, and I thought about all the women who were coming in here this weekend, and they've got a promise, and it's just died. It's just died. It may be your marriage. It may be your marriage. It may be rejection. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but anybody besides me know what it's like to be rejected. I remember standing on a stage similar to this um, before my husband were, and I were married, and <clears throat> I was with this group and a band and they were introducing all the wives and all the girlfriends, and then it got to me and the guy that I was dating, and he went to introduce me, and he said, she's not my wife, and then he dropped to one knee, and he said, but if she'll ask, if she'll be my wife, I will marry her, and honestly, I was so insecure at the moment. There were just so many things, not where I should be with God, but when he asked me to marry him, we were in this crowd full of people, and I thought, ooh, doggy, I'm getting married. Yes, I will be your wife. And so he asked me to marry him, and um, I was just so excited, ran home, ran to my mom's house, and the phone rang, and there was this woman's voice on the other end, and she said, are you Beverly? And she called my last name, and I said, yes, I am. And she says, do you know so-and-so? And I said, oh, yes, I do. And I said, as of tonight, he's asked me to be his wife, and we're getting married. And she said, well, how would you like to know that I was intimate with him last night? I'm taking y'all on the road with me. That was good. Now, <laughs> 
actually, you handled it a little bit better than I did. Um, I dropped to my knees, and I wept. And immediately, the enemy started attacking my mind. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. The first thing that came to my mind would be probably the first thing that would come to your mind if we were to get real with each other. Is she prettier than me? What does she offer that I don't offer? Is she prettier than me? And the enemy started attacking my mind. And how many of you know if you believe the enemy's lies, we have a choice. We can either believe the enemy's lies or contradict them with the truth, come and bring the truth. I chose at that moment to believe the enemy's lies. And how many of you know that with insecurities, if you are not careful, they will follow you over into your relationships, into your jobs, into your home. And I let those insecurities follow me over, even into my marriage where I married my husband, um, to where I was always, always insecure, never knowing who I was in Christ. And then I began to get involved in a world of food disorders. I would eat when I was sad. I would eat when I was happy. I would eat when I was lonely. Just food disorders to where I made myself deathly sick. And I remember standing in a bathroom with the shower curtain and I had pulled the shower curtain back. I did not even recognize I was so far down in my pit in my pit, I did not even recognize who I had become, pulled back the shower, and I saw a glob, the whole top crown of my hair had fallen out to the bathroom shower, and it was just there. And I know what it's like to feel rejected, to feel that rejection. And I thought, no one will ever want me. My dream of being loved and accepted at that moment had died, had died, feeling rejected. But we have this woman, her dream of having a son, she has this promise and it's died. And I believe there are some women here today, you know what it's like to have that promise that you're holding and you feel like it has died. We, we don't have a name for the son, so let's just call him promise. Or maybe it's your potential. Or maybe it's your dream. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to be in ministry. But somebody, somewhere, somehow, someone has come against you, the enemy or someone or somebody baptized in pickle juice, and they have come against you and told you that this will not happen. Y'all know about those kind of people, right? Yes. So let's go to the next verse. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. Shut the door and went out. She turned her back on that problem, and she said, I'm going straight to the man of God, straight to the man of God. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God and quickly return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. 
I want you to read what she says here. She says, it's all right. It's all right. That's all she said. Or if you look in the King James Version, she said these four words. It shall be well. No matter how bad the circumstance looks today, my husband is coming against me. My children are coming against me. It feels like everything at my job is coming against me. But no matter what, it shall be well. She spoke it with her mouth. It shall be well. It shall be well, she said. The word of the Hebrew word is shalom, which means peace. Peace. So she spoke it with her mouth. The second thing I want you to write down here, the second characteristic, if you want a breakthrough, if you want your promise to be restored, you got to guard your lips and watch your tongue. Guard your lips and watch your tongue. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In the power of the tongue. you got to watch your tongue no matter where you go. Not just in a church service, at your work, at the mall, at the job, at the beauty shop. I know the lady that cuts my hair, Jamie, I love her to death. She, we, there's something about going into the beauty shop and sitting down in her chair. And I lay my head all back because... Let me tell you, we do serve a God of restoration. God healed me of that food disorder. At the same time, he restored every bit of hair I have ever lost. Matter of fact, if the light hits right, just right, you might see a little whisker shining. <laughs> if you do, just say glory, and I will think you're enjoying the message, and nobody else Outside the room will know what's going on. But God did restore every bit of my hair. But I like to lay back in the bowl and she will wash my hair and she'll go to massaging it. And if I'm not careful, you know, we got to watch our tongues. Amen. Even in the beauty shop. But I will be laying in that bowl and Jamie is massaging it so good. And oh, and, oh my tongue just falls out. And something comes over me and the other ladies in the beauty shop. And I'll be honest, I'm just getting real. Sometimes it's not the Holy Spirit. It's a different kind of spirit. We'll call it the beauty shop bowl spirit. <laughs> and if you're not careful, honestly, ladies, are you understanding what I'm saying in the beauty shop? Your tongues will go to wagon and you'll start saying things that you shouldn't be saying. You'll start talking about people you shouldn't be talking about, even your husbands, your children, and you'll start, oh, he's just going to be just like his daddy. You're speaking, you're speaking, Amen. Am, I, am I talking right? You will start, oh, if you, if you, watch you, oh, yeah, do it right there. But you will start, you got to guard your mind. You've got to watch your tongue and guard your lips. This woman knew her son had died, but she said, I will not speak death. And she said, it shall be well. Woo! No matter what it looks like, it shall be well. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, lead me. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. Don't slow down unless I tell you. So she set out 
And she came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. She went straight. She's going straight to the Word of God. Straight to the Word of God. So what's happening? She's going to Mount Carmel. She's on her donkey. And then here is Elisha and Gehazi. And um, they see the Shunammite woman coming. They see the Shunammite woman coming. And Elisha says to Gehazi, he says, there's the Shunammite woman. Run along. Go meet her. Go ask her. Is all well with your husband? Is all, all well with your child? Is all well with you? And so Gehazi, he runs out to meet her and asks her, is all well? And I want you to notice again what she said. It's all right or, say it with me, it shall be well. Look at your neighbor and say, it shall be well. Amen. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. She took hold of his feet. Gehazi came to push her away. Came to push her away. But the man of God says, leave her alone. She's in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. So here we have Gehazi pushing her away. Number three, write it down. Beware of Gehazi's in your life. I'm talking about the negative people baptized in pickle juice. People that will speak negative against you, against your dream, against your vision. People, let me tell you something. If the advice, if the advice being whispered in your ear is not godly, biblical-based advice, you need to run from it. You need to run from it. I remember back in 1990-91, I was working at a TV station. I was a news reporter. I was a starving news reporter. And I remember I heard that Dan Quayle was going to be in Johnston County in Selma. And so in the 90s, what I did is I called up Mike Beth Beckwith, who at the time was the public relations director over at the White House, and I called every single day and said, look, I am a starving news reporter. I need this interview with Dan Quayle. I'm not going to lie to you, ladies. I had a little crush on him, too. I did not care if he could spell potato or not. But I called every single day. Now, if I had done this in this timing, isn't it great how God has his timing? If I had done it today, I would have probably been arrested because I called every single day. And Mr. <laughs> Beckwith told me, he said, the bus with Dan Quayle is going to be at Patrick's Restaurant in Kinley. If you'll meet there, we, you will get to at least wave at him when he gets off the bus. And I had that, that beauty pageant away. Yeah. But I stood in a line with every other news reporter. There were reporters from Channel 5, 7, 9, 11, NBC, ABC, CBC, whatever. Everybody around. Very elegant. I, um, back then I had hair. Honest to goodness, it would stretch from here to the front part of the sanctuary. 
I used me some Aquanet. Anybody ever heard of Aquanet? That's why my beautician, wherever she is, does it not Aquanet. But I was standing there with all the reporters. The bus rolled up. I had a dream. I knew I had to get this interview with him. The bus rolled up. All the reporters were very sophisticated, very elegant, very refined. The bus pulls up. The door opens. He gets off the bus. Everybody is like, glory, hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. And I'm like, hey, it's me. I work for the local TV station. I've got to get on that bus. And every reporter was like, Oh my goodness, Um, you are giving us a bad name. You have got to stop with your dreaming. You're very insignificant. They're not going to let you on the bus. Pick me, pick me. Y'all remember the donkey on the track? Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. So I was just going crazy. I had a dream. I knew that God looks after his girls. God looks after his Finally, I made so much noise that the security guard, I think I almost gave Dan Quayle a heart attack. He said, ma'am, come with me, come with me. (laughs) And they let me on the bus. (sighs) Got on the bus with him, sat right beside of him, and I lost it. All I could think of was questions that made no sense. You know, I'm like, I I don't care if you can't spell potato. Do you know who Sandy Patty is? Do you like her music? Do you like... And asked him every question. We rode on the bus for like a 15, 20-minute ride when we got to the courthouse and pulled up because all the media had to follow the bus. When we got off the bus, there was the security guards, there was Dan Quayle, and guess who was right there well, all the reporters were out there, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm thinking, I dare you to tell me that my God won't come through for you. I dare you to trust God. Look at your girlfriend beside you and say, I dare you to trust God. Matter of fact, that ain't good enough. When I was growing up in the country, I dare was something, okay? If you dared me, forget it. I ain't doing it. But girlfriend, if you come up to me and you said, I double dog dare you. Yeah. Have we got any double dog darers in here that will say I double dog? Look at your neighbor and say, I double dog dare you to trust my God. trust my God when your dream has come alive, when your dream has died, and you need God to step into the middle of it. And so we have Gehazi, and he was all negative. And she comes up to the prophet, and she says, did I ask for a son, my Lord? Did not I tell you, don't raise my hopes? You ever been like that with God? God, did I ask you when you called me into ministry 
that I was going to have to come against some negatives or some negative people. God, did I tell you when I married this man that I signed up for arguing or fussing? In our house, we don't argue because we're marriage counselors now, so we... So we just call it intense fellowship. (laughs) And it's so terrible. I'm getting off the subject here. This is not godly, but it is so terrible. Some of our most dramatic, this is just how the enemy works. Some of our most dramatic arguments will be right before a speaking engagement. (laughs) Right before church, you know, everybody's in the car. And you're like, hush! I'm sure it's just me. Every last one of you, hush. I will pull this car over right now. I don't know why you are licking your sister's Pop-Tart, but you don't want to. And then you walk into the church of the first blessed. Hey, sister. Honey, I want you to know it is well with my soul. Anybody ever been there? I mean, that was very ungodly. It has nothing to do with the mess. (laughs) So Elisha says, what I want you to do, Gehazi, is I want you to take your cloak and tuck it into your belt, and I want you to go and take my staff. Don't talk to anybody along the way. I want you to go and lay it on the boy's face and, so that the boy uh, can come back to life. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave. So he got up and he followed her. Number four, if you want a breakthrough, you go straight to the source. You go straight to the source. If we would go to the book instead of Facebook, you know, we might could see God. Or instead of Oprah or Dr. Phil, there is only one source. Instead of everybody getting busy with everything around her, she says, I'm going to the source, the source. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or no response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. I can see Gehazi right scared, and he's going up to Elisha, coming back, and he's trying not to let the Shunammite woman overhear him, and she, he's like, uh, Elisha, it didn't work. And so then it says in the next verse that when Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, he shut the door on the two of them, and he prayed 
to the Lord. I want you to know, if you don't get anything out of the message today, there is power in prayer. That's your next point. There is power in prayer. I remember when uh, Priscilla had her movie come out. Uh, for, oh, I just love, don't y'all just love War Room? Talking about prayer. And she was in her little closet um, with her chips. If you would find me in my little closet, it would be with double-stuffed Oreos and Funyuns. And she was just praying to God. Can I tell you that sometimes you'll have battles and they'll come up against you? And I love a prayer closet, but there are days you don't have time for the prayer closet. You'll have to pray. Some days I have to pray when I'm driving. I'll be driving. Things will be falling apart. I'll be crying out to God. Snot will be flying everywhere. I'll come up to the stoplight, and people are like, bless her heart. But there is power in prayer. You ever had a point in your life when you didn't even know what to say? Maybe you're there today. Maybe you're there today. I don't even know what to say. I remember when our marriage was broken and everything was confused. I didn't even know what to say. I sat on the end of my bed. I threw my hands up to God and I started praying. And I said, God, I'm broken. I need a touch from you. I don't know how to pray. I see some women out there agreeing with me. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I got up. I went around my house and the only word that could come to my mind, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, can I tell you there's power in the name of Jesus. When you say the name of Jesus, your marriage, your home can be restored. Uh, you're checking it. Just everything can change with the name of Jesus. You may be even a woman. I have women come up to me and say, I'm divorced. Can God still use me? I don't know who you are today or where you are, that certain woman. Yes, my God can use you. Yes, my God still loves you. But he shut the door. There is power in prayer, power in prayer. Then he got on the bed, he lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands, as he stretched himself out on him. The boy's body grew warm, but nothing happened. He did not come to life. Let me tell you, when I read that, talking about mouth to mouth, eye to eye, it was like he was pressing in. I believe we as women of God, sometimes we're going to have to press into our issue and say, God, I'm here no matter what. I've decided I'm going to trust you no matter what. We're going to have to press in. We may even have to do something a little bit different. We may have to lay aside just the just prim and proper worship, but we, we may have to say, God, no matter what the cost, no matter who looks at me like I'm crazy, crazy. Who looks at me? God, no matter what the cost, I'm going to trust you. You're going to have to press in, press in for the victory to come. Another thing I want to tell you there uh, that I picked up is I don't care how anointed you are, how spiritual you are, how gifted you are. You can sing in the choir. You can be the pastor's wife. You can even be the pastor. First of all, I want you to realize that attacks will come. 
Attacks will come. And when those attacks come, what I picked up in this verse is it's not always Beverly's timing, but it's all about my God's timing. We live in a world where it's instant, where we want things instant, instant grits, instant... (laughs) Y'all, I am trying to be romantic. And I just cooked my man. Recently, I was with the Temple Baptist ladies at a conference, and I said, I just, okay. I thought, I can go out and encourage women to love on their husbands, but I got to give my man some. So he likes grits. I'm going to fix him some grits. I got at the pot. Miss Sue, I filled it with all the grits or grit or whatever you want to call it. And I put my water in there and turn on the burner, and I thought, this ain't going to be no good without butter. How many of you know butter makes everything better? <laughs> I threw a whole stick of butter in there, the whole stick, and I thought, that ain't enough. Let me put the man one more stick. <laughs> when I did, it started exploding. Grits went everywhere. Grits up my nose on the... But anyway... But it's all about God's timing, all about God's timing. Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room, then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. Guess what happened this time? The boy sneezed seven times. Woo! Seven times the number of completion in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the boy came right back to life. Right back to life. Let me tell you, I don't care what your situation is today. My God can speak life. Can speak life. My marriage was Lazarus, been in the grave three days, stinking dead. But God can still speak life into your situation. Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shumanite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in. Woo! She fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. The sixth thing you got to do is remember to praise God, to praise God. There is power. Two of our most spiritual greatest weapons are praise, uh, prayer and praise. Praising God. You praise God. It's all right to praise God when everything is going hunky-dory. The kids are good. The laundry is done. You got money in the checking account. But you let the enemy see you praising God when all of hell is breaking loose around you. And I'm telling you, the demons and the devil will cringe. There is power in praise. She had praise. She had praise gratitude. She had gratitude. So you got to, let's go through it again. You've got to, um, of course, make room for God. Make room for God. You got to guard your lips, guard your lips, guard your tongue. Beware of Gehazi's. Go to the source. Power and praise. Let me end with this one final scripture. If you know me, you know this is my favorite scripture in the Bible. 
I was not going to share it today, but I believe this scripture is for some specific woman in this room for your situation. I don't know what the situation is. I'm not a prophet, but I believe my God would have me to share this scripture for someone here today. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I like this part. And the peace of God. And the peace of God. I'm talking about a ridiculous kind of peace that can come over you. I remember it when I was in a doctor's office and he diagnosed me with a lump. It's a peace of God, a ridiculous kind of peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I love y'all. I love y'all.